Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig... Good morning slash evening. Dave. Hi, everybody in the internet. And Tori. Hello, internet. And we start every week with good thing. So, Craig, (laughs) what's your good thing this week? I was going to say, I almost said hi, Dr. Nick, because that's what it sounded like. Oh, man. Um, See, this week... Trying to think, I, I didn't get too much new. We rewatched Kingsman, and that was already my good thing because it's pretty good. Uh, started playing Minecraft again. That was a form of good thing. Uh, but I was playing a lot of No Man's Sky, which became a good thing. It started out pretty bad. It had a lot of promises, but they've been working on it for the past few years constantly doing updates and they had a big update and I actually really like what they did with it. Um it's fun to play now. I I grabbed it, I don't know, two years ago, something like that. And it was just a grind. And now there's a there's a lot of direction. There's quests, there's story, there's things like that. It makes it it's it's fun. Um there's a grind still exists. You have to farm for resources, but it's not that bad and there's a lot going on. So, uh, it's, it's gotten a lot better. So I ended up being a good purchase, I think. Neat. Um, yeah, I had, my only experience with No Man's Sky was like watching a stream of it, like shortly after it released and it seemed fairly directionless, like big sandbox, but you can do anything, which means that what you should do is whatever, kind of boring. Well, I think originally it was you get a bunch of resources on whatever planet you're on to leave that planet to go to the next planet to get more of similar resources. And so like it was it was that sort of tier thing. till you reach the galactic center or something. They completely abandoned that, which was good that they did so, because now there's quests and stuff to do. I, I recommend checking out if you decided not to walk away be like eh they didn't do a good job with this take another look see how it is so all right dave what do you have this week my good thing this week is steamed hams <laughs> steamed clams <laughs> no i said steamed hams that's what at I at this call time of the days. year in this part of the country localized <laughs> entirely within this podcast uh, so, within the past year, I don't know, I had this written down as a potential good thing for a while, but it always got overridden. But I discovered that not only, I already knew that that was a great sketch from the episode of The Simpsons, 22 short films about Springfield, but there's this whole meme slash culture slash YouTube playlist of just alternate takes on the steamed hams sketch. Like, there's one. What it's steamed hams, but Skinner always tells the truth. Or it's steamed hams, but every five seconds a new animator takes over. Or it's really hams. 
Yeah. Dude, it's I want to see this. It's steamed hams, but every time Skinner lies, the audio doubles in speed or something. Or one of mm. my favorites was, it's steamed hams, but it's Metal Gear Solid. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's got like the little radar in the corner and everything, and Skinner's in the kitchen, uh, and his roast is getting ruined, and you see like on the radar the superintendent Chalmers like that coming <laughs> up, and he opens the door, and it's like, <laughs> so how do we find this just go to youtube and search steamed hams and oh, that's it. get a bunch it'll just throw up a bunch of there are hundreds of them it's steamed hams but every time chalmers says skinner's name uh it plays the b movie at 20 times speed <laughs> oh man there's another marvel league showdown i'm gonna have to watch that later all right uh, my good thing this week is a movie called Sahara. Um, I'm I, I legitimately enjoy this movie like quite a bit. Um, it got poor critical reception, poor audience reception. It was a box office failure, despite the fact that on its opening like month, it actually spent the first four weeks. Uh, number one at the box office when it opened because uh, the the production of this movie was just such a huge, complicated, expensive mess. Um, the author of the book that it's based on didn't want to um, didn't want another movie made of his work because the first time he did it, it ended up being a mess. So like in in the contract for this, um, he got like final say in you know the script the casting all of that stuff and he was never happy with any changes that anyone else made to it so he said no constantly so like one of the budget items was like they ended up spending like four and a half million dollars bringing in writers to rewrite the script to make it something that could actually be filmed and this original author clive kessler would just say no and so they just that money is just gone because it was it was paid to these writers who, you know, did the work. And then they just couldn't use the script because this dude had a contract. So it sounded like he made it a failure. Uh, yeah, oh. that's that's part of it. Um, so I, also... looking at the wiki page, they spent one hundred and sixty million and they'd only made one hundred and nineteen million. That is a lot. Yeah. And but like it's good. It would it would have been incredibly successful if it were made for the amount of money that you actually end up seeing on the final film, but okay, it yeah. wasn't. Uh, there was a like kind of famously there was a forty five second um, plane crash sequence that cost like two million dollars to film that got cut because they needed that time to fulfill obligations for product placement. Oh my god. They ended up making money off of this. If they have product placement. I mean, that's that's the thing is like this would have been successful under any criteria except how much money they ended up pouring into this thing over over however many years it took them to finally get it off the ground. And apparently it's there's like a sequel or something. There's a whole series. They could have made a bunch of movies. Yeah, the the books, there's there's I don't know, like 20 something books. Uh, in this, this series, could have been a thing. 
It totally could have. Um, and the movie, just on its own, is really good. Like, I really legitimately enjoy this film. Okay. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is a diver who works for NUMA, which is a private organization that, like, um, unearths, or, like, raises up shipwrecks and finds, you know, shipwreck treasure and, and junk like that. Uh, he is obsessed with this idea of the Confederate gold dollar, which, as far as I can tell, is a thing that did not exist in real life. But in the movie, there were five samples printed uh, that are, like, known. And then on this Confederate ironclad, there was, like, this whole, you know, millions of dollars worth of, of Confederate gold that ended up uh, making its way to Africa and, like, getting stuck on a river that eventually dried up. And that's sort of the B-plot. And it's just, it's a fun movie. Uh, so, Tori, what do you got? Uh, so, this week I want to tell you guys about Soran Bushi, which is a dance from Japan. Not like a modern dance, it's a traditional dance. According to the Wikipedia page, it's something that you learn in school as part of Japanese culture, if you're a Japanese student. And um, Like in Avatar, so, when Aang teaches all the school kids how to dance. Y yeah, kind of. Um, so many, many years ago, I uh, was an English teacher at a foreign language school. I had a whole bunch of Japanese students. Um, who were trying to pass the uh, TOEFL test, the test of English as a foreign language that you have to pass before you can enroll in an American college if English is not your first language. And the university where the school was located had a culture fest, um, and all the Japanese students got together and decided to perform the Soran Bushi for the student body. And that was the first time I saw the dance, and I just thought it was awesome it's it's supposed to be uh like a fishing dance uh so there's a lot of calling back and forth um as they say the the japanese equivalent of heave ho um so you, you posted a video uh, pretty yeah and i posted a video watching. on the discord uh and when you watch all that, it's a fishing dance. Like there are moves in the dance that you can see them hauling on ropes and dragging nets and and lifting fish out of the water. It, and it and it's really entertaining. It's really catchy. Anyway, I thought of it again because I was listening to Japanese music just streaming on random as one does. And so Ramushi came on, and I, I hadn't thought of it again in years. And um, so then I looked up the video, and it was just as awesome as I remembered it being. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so, Dave. Yeah. Uh, I believe we have video evidence of you finishing a book. <laughs> I was going to say you can't prove it. You got him already predicted my response uh so why don't you go ahead and tell us about the end of this book okay so we have the hero of ages by brandon sanderson and this week i read chapters 78 through the end including the epilogue 
So chapter 78, we've got, uh, in the epigraph, uh, we learn that matter and power are made of the very same things, whatever those things are. I don't know. And that's how, you know, the ATM, they consider it Ruin's body because it's his energy or matter, which is made from this very same thing. And when people burn ATM, it actually ends up back in the pits of Hathson somehow. And that's how, why they got to mine it back up. But I guess it takes some time for the A-team to get back down there. All right. So chapter 78, we got Seizid in prison. And he's he's in a Chandra prison. So pretty cramped for him since he has bones that cannot be removed. Painless. Bones that can't be removed without severe injury. Uh, so anyway, he's like, oh, these bars are made of metal. So he's going to use his ferrochemical powers to store some power in, in the bars and in the padlock and all that. You know, just in case the opportunity comes by for him to use them. Uh, it's be a little trickier since he'll actually have to hold on to the bars in order to tap them. But anyway, Tensoon shows up and with uh, Milan and they bust Seizid out of prison and you know they take over some of the uh, fifths that are guarding the prison and uh, Tensoon uh, takes one of the bones of the fifth and fifth generationer and he's like oh it's a trick Zane taught me and then that's the end of chapter 78 Zane yeah, Zane taught him how to murder. It basically, yes. But anyway, so Seizid uh, takes a lock, and he's got, you know, the Conjure Guards have iron hammers, so he's got a couple of different uh, pieces of metal that he's going to store some ferrochemical power in for later. My favorite okay. part of this jailbreak sequence is that after Seizid is free, they all just hang out for like three hours. Yeah. <laughs> and Seizid's like, there's, there's no rush, right? Uh, then the, they find that the first generation are actually in the cells. They have uh, replaced the uh, they replaced the traitors who were in the cells. So the second generation, Kanpar and the rest, actually secretly executed the traitors that were in the cells and and put the first generationers in there, which is noticeable because they have different color skin, but only if you look closely. So they killed a bunch of dudes. <clears throat> to store the first generation. Oh, whoa, yeah. well, hold on. The crimes that they've committed, they've killed a bunch of dudes who might or might not be innocent, although I don't... The justice system there is weird, especially if the second gen were running things. Uh, and they also... T- is it too... Yeah, they toppled their government. Yeah. Pretty bad. The first generation is saying how, uh, oh, the resolution is upon us. And the resolution, as they had explained earlier, is uh, basically a, a mass suicide of the Contra people where the first generation understands that Ruin will return and have the ability to take over everybody. So they're basically setting up to do what Marsh was trying to do, is unplug themselves at a crucial moment. And that's what they refer to as the resolution. But uh, the second generation, they don't want to get resoluted, so they overthrow the government. I, I don't think that it's more that they don't want so much as they don't believe it's true. Yeah, sure. 
They don't want to because they don't believe it's true. Right. Okay. All right. You got the summaries open. Did I miss anything important there? Actually, I don't have the summary open because I actually read along. Sure. Close <laughs> enough. Uh, <laughs> the one thing that's interesting is that uh, in the epigraph here, it says that burning ATM is drawing upon the power of ruin, but it's stated before, earlier that uh, alchem- not alchemy, alamancy is itself a power of preservation. They okay. Say that, but maybe just the other metals are, but ATM is of ruin, and I guess mal ATM as well. And also, so, is there are the fifteenth and sixteenth metals actually? preservation's body but probably not because he didn't break them up but then like this whole idea that atm is one of the 16 metals is a preservation thing so it's kind of weird so uh to respond to one of your questions allomancy itself the way to use the power is of preservation but the metals are catalyst and so Using the ATM catalog means you're using some of Ruin's power. So you're stealing Ruin's power the way that Preservation stole his power. Sort of. I'll, I'll go with that. Hmm. What was my second question? I don't remember. Let's move on. All right. Chapter 79. So something changed. Uh, we have Vin, and she is still in this like sort of omnipresent state she's kind of everywhere at once but her nexus as they call it can only be in one place so she's kind of aware of everything that's going on and can move around at will but where she's focusing her energy i guess is what they call the nexus and she notices uh ruins nexus moving toward the Condra homelands and she follows him, and she gets Ellen to go over there very difficultly. And uh, also, I think we get Marsh. Is Marsh the Nexus, or is he just? Uh, probably the Nexus is like the focus of their of their consciousness. But anyway, we get Marsh uh, confronting. Oh no, I'm sorry. It's Ruin himself confronting Conpar and asking him how much ATM there is. Kind of figured out that the uh, that the Condra are taken over it and then he and then ellen after that ellen had just showed up at the pits of hathson because vin was able to direct him there and there he finds demo and i don't remember if it's here or later that he's like hey demo remember when i sent you guys home because you were missed stricken Uh oh mike's mad at me you missed fallen by the way, <laughs> By the way, uh, the word the word "mistfallen" is not in the glossary in the back of the. I'm disappointed. That is mm. that is disappointing. Yes, that is a missed opportunity. Yeah, they really uh, had a fall there. <laughs> of the ball. Okay, so they fell down on the job. <laughs> They fell off the job. I hope they're not in construction. Okay, so then we give 
says it's in soon. They're getting ready to go and uh, attack the second generationers. And Haddock, the leader of the first generation, is talking about how it's about time to get resoluted. Or resolved, I guess, would be the verb form of resolution. Right? They're going to resolve soon. Uh, but uh, Ruin had actually taken control of Tensoon as well. And uh, he knocks out Sazed. That's the end of chapter whatever, 79. Sounds good. Did I forget anything? I don't think right. so. Okay. Chapter 80. Chapter 80, um... Maladium. Nope, we completely forget about that. Sixteenium. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what would have happened if they... So, if you burn Maladium... The funny thing... So, Maladium's kind of the, the parallel in the same group. That is, if you have the physical, the mental, and then the temporal metals. The other temporal metal is gold. So... Is gold purely of preservation in the way that... So I, I want to clarify, purely... the metals themselves are not of preservation. It's the power that you get from burning the catalyst. Okay. ATM is weird. Oh, okay, you want to talk about ATM because I think... I've been chatting with Mike and spoilers, and I think it's okay if we talk a little bit about ATM. Indeed, it is. We can we can fully break down. I, I'm even okay with you you finding out what the other metals are because they're not really plot relevant to later stuff. So, ATM, for our purposes, I will say ATM is not considered part of the sixteen. Neither is titanium. <laughs> with right. Titanium. Okay. You know what? I say okay. I I did realize that titanium was not because fast forward to the end of the book we get full confirmation that there are two unknown metals. So if titanium is one of them, it wouldn't be unknown. So that makes sense. So if titanium being the power of preservation is not one of them, then atium being the power of ruin is not either. But so then that can, actually can we, makes malatium even weirder. Can we give him the actual name of titanium? Yes. Okay. So Atium, uh, which is named after A.T., who's the guy who's ruined. His name is A.T. The um, redhead? Yes, the redhead is named A.T. The ginger. Oh, no. Um, the name of preservation is Laris. So his metal is Laresium. Laris? Laresium? Uh, Why am I the one saying the names? That's spelled <laughs> L-E-R-A-S. Okay, then I'm assuming that Laracium is another enhancement metal because we've only had two of those and they seem to come in groups. We of four. are no. It is it like ATM is outside of the normal categories. I see. You have seen its use. I have. Yes, you have. Oh, is that the what? Is that the actual B? Titanium. L and eats. Okay. Yeah. Titanium tummy tum. But yeah, so. Atium and Laracium are outside of the 16. So really there are four metals? Well... But then why does... That's so well, weird. Hold on, hold on. Atium has Atium in it. Uh, I'm not finished. Crazy. Preservation did some tricks 
to make ATM considered as part of the 16. He oh, needed Preservation it. was a sneaky dude all around. He, he was. And he needed it as part of the 16 so he could do the whole Mistfallen thing. And basically have people who can burn ATM, which we'll talk about, I guess, when we get to that chapter. Slight I feel like for the episode. Preservation is... Is... Uh, decept- preservation is deceptive, and Ruin is an idiot. That's my general <laughs> takeaway of those two characters. Well, you are not wrong. <laughs> I I don't consider I my interpretation is that Ruin is not very good at looking into the future. He he has some but ability. He, he's, ba- he's made out of atium. That's all he does is to be able to look into the future. Sure, but it's short term <laughs> future. When I say look okay. into the future, I mean how far into the future and preservation is amazing at that he's able to play the long well, i mean he plotted a th- at least a thousand years in advance i don't right do we know how many times the well of ascension was filled before rachet got there was that the first time or were there we don't I... have information on that yeah i suspect okay. it wasn't that long but who knows so he had this at least thousand year plan that all had to work without him having full consciousness. So, yeah, definitely a really good planner. But also, like, Ruin made some major misplays even in the plot of this book. One yeah, definitely. And and that came about because he was overconfident. Because mm-hmm. he was pretty sure he had already won. Like, the moment Vin stepped into the Well of Ascension, Ruin, by his own thinking, had already won. Everything that happened yeah. after that yeah. was just finishing the paperwork and, you know, crossing your I's, dotting your T's, making sure everything is exactly the way it's supposed to be. But yep, it's the done. The paperwork is signed. They just had to hand over the keys. And he's like, this is it. What else but, could go wrong? But Meanwhile, Ruin can change the paperwork. What's that? Ruin can change the paperwork. <laughs> yes, yes, he can. Uh, okay, so you you have been asking about the the sixteenth medal. Um, so let's actually just run through all of them first. The ones that you know. So we have the base eight. I don't think we need to go over those, right? That's fine. Uh, next, we've got gold and electrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dur- aluminum Dur- and duralumin. Enhancement. Okay. So that's right, twelve. That's what they call those the enhancement medals. Yeah. All right. Well, no, the one... that's not quite right. They call gold and electrum temporal metals, but yes, they they are. So the four that you don't know about are, and I'm not going to go into what metals they are because I'd have to look up a table and I don't want to do that. Um, but what they do is there's one that lets you do aluminum to someone else, and one that lets you do duralumin to someone else. So it's the external version of Necrocell, the Necrocell and Cadmium. Uh, and then the other two okay. temporal metals um, create speed bubbles around you, either making things faster in the bubble or making things slower. Oh, Necrocell and Chromium. I'm sorry. It's Necrocell and Chromium. Cadmium and Bendeloy are the bubbles. And what happens if you fill a Bendeloy mind? Or are there just no Terrasmen spoiler alert left? No, um, alert for five minutes. From now. I don't remember how what the ferrochemical thing on that is. I'd have to look it up. 
I can tell okay, you. It's fine. It doesn't matter. This is way out of the scope of the five chapters we read this week. It was. Do you, you want to know, or should we? I mean, we should probably push it off till trilogy wrap up. Probably. Yeah, that's true. Because it's there's we no way of a little us too much it. already. Well, those four medals are well outside of this trilogy. Yeah. Well of Ascension outside of this? Okay, chapter 80. Alright, so this is where Ellen sends Demode. He's like, oh, give your soldiers some medals and let's find out if they're uh, if they're mistings or whatever. And then Cezid comes to and he wakes up to find a bunch of blobs slurping around. They're mysteries. They forgot how to put their bones together. I like that so they're just blobs. They just they just got resolved. And resoluted. Resoluted. And then Cezid uh, goes to the trust warren to try to protect the ATM. Keep everyone from getting to it. But of course, the second generationers and some others didn't resolute. And he's got a fight on his hands. And he gets him, he locks him into the uh, trust warren, actually, and just kind of uses the iron that he stored to weigh down the door. And he's waiting for something to happen, but he's he believes that Vin will come back and save the day. All right. And then Ellen investigates these claims about uh, people seeing Kelsier. And as he's doing so, he hears Vin whispering to him on the wind. I don't. He says it seems like Vin's voice. He doesn't really know exactly what's going on but he uh the voice tells him to go and check out this cave of course we know she's sending him to the conjure homeland hey dude check out this cave it's super cool yeah and of course they find says in there and say says like look the atm is in there isn't that great and Owen's like <laughs> yeah right this stinks um but but we've been looking for it all book. Yeah, we found it. Easy. All right, and now they have four different entrances to this cave system to guard against 10,000 or so Coloss, so good luck to them. See, the number of Coloss keeps changing, because at various points, Elland is like, it's several hundred thousand Coloss, and then we killed 10,000 Coloss, and there's there's 300 of us, and I don't know. Dude, they kill, the numbers are all over the place. They kill each other a lot. Too. They do. Don't forget. And counting past a thousand is hard. Especially yeah, you got to take off your lot. shoes. It's terrible. <laughs> yes. I mean, Ellen can't even count to sixteen. You expect them to count to a thousand? Ellen gets a little taste of the eight. Like, all right, chapter eighty-one. Uh, Vin is talking to Ruin, of course, still, and. Everyone's like, "Oh, that's cute. You've got, you've got one minion. I've got ten thousand Coloss. We'll see who wins this fight." Of course, everyone's all smug about it. He's smug and, about a lot of things. Yeah, and Vin, you know, kind of, I don't know, if physically is the right word, but physically struggles with him, but finds that there's the balancing force between preservation and ruin, so it's not easy. And then Ellen gets to the ATM and talks about uh, the survivor. So here 
he gets a report back from Demo that none of their soldiers could burn any of the medals that they gave them. And I instantly figured out what that meant. Sure, we got Ellen, video proof. It took Ellen five minutes, but I was like, oh, of course they can't burn any of those medals because they can only burn ATM. <laughs> and I came up with Ellen's plan for him to get all the <laughs> things together Wait. to eat Ruin's body. And Did you appear as a mist goes to him and try to give that information to him? No, there's no mist anymore, dude. You kidding? Okay. Vin ate me. <laughs> Wait, if Vin eats the mists and the mists eat pizza, then she got her pizza after all. Happy endings Transit for everyone. Support. Yes. So, Ellen uh, gives Demo some ATM and tells him to eat it. And Ellen, Ellen does also figure out that they are ATM burning mist things. Wait, wait, wait. This is where Ellen bullies his people, right? Eat it. Eat it. Yeah, eat it. Why are you punching yourself, Demo? <laughs> All right, and we go back to Vin, and she's watching the Colossus uh, running up, and I think this is from Vin's perspective, but she's listening in on the speech that Ellen has given to the soldiers, and he's just like, we're going to die, but we're going to buy precious moments of life for those we're protecting. And burn all the A-team you can, guys. So, Ellen gets out there, and he kills many, many, many Kolos. And then eventually has a showdown with Marsh. Meanwhile, we get a a section or two from the perspective of human, which is kind of cool. It's not, you know, human is being controlled by Ruin, of course. But he almost kind of regrets it. I don't know. Because even the uh the narration in the human sections is written kind of lowbrow. <laughs> so I thought it was kind of funny. I mean that's his perspective. Well that's the way I read it. Anyway, there's video proof of it. And so basically what we have here is we have the showdown between Marsh and Ellen. And meanwhile we have the showdown between uh, Vin and Ruin. And Marsh and... So Vin and Ellen and Ruin and Marsh all kill each other. Wow. Uh, yep, they all, right just, the they all just kill each other. Uh, and, you know, when, uh, when Ellen dies, Vin is vengeful and doesn't really have much else to fight for anymore so she uh, is actually able to destroy preservation but in the process you know with the with the balancing act she also ends up destroying herself in the process so apparently this was preservation's plan all along he needed something to have the power of preservation and ruin together in in, in other words Preservation can't fight or kill. Preservation can only preserve. So what he needs to do is create a race of beings that can kill in order to preserve. And that's exactly what Vin he does. He needs something to ruin, ruin. Yeah, and he's not ruined, so he can't do that. Right. All right, last chapter. 
Sees it shows up, sees Vin corpse and ruins corpse. Ruin is a redhead, apparently. And <laughs> I don't know why that is, but he is. And so he's he's uh just about to you know kind of give up on everything, but then he realizes that uh he can and is meant to take the powers of preservation and ruin together and hold them in balance with each other in himself. And he taps into his copper mines and looks at all of the religions and from bits and pieces here and there from the different religions extrapolates how the world was meant to look and be structured. And he rebuilds the world using the power of ruin and preservation together. Yin and Yang, all in one Seizid. Yeah. And Seizid was, unfortunately, the hero of ages. Yep. Powerful word. Yep. So I think all three of us, upon getting to that point in the book, immediately flipped back to the beginning, to that first epigraph, to reread it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm like, wait, wait, hold on. And... You know, pause for a moment, rewound, looked at the beginning. I'm like, oh. Yeah, I would be interested in going back and reading all the epigraphs, but I don't feel like flipping through the book to do it. I'd rather just have it all written down. And I, I will place. say, knowing that like... it was stays it and uh, reading through the epigraphs, it's it's very obvious that it's. I hidden. know. I, I'm going back, and I'm like, and there's even a point about three quarters of the way through the book where he starts referring to Vin in third person. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, that's kind of weird. I guess Vin has taken on this this godlike ability and now looks up looks upon herself or refers to herself in like a third person. <laughs> it's like, I just kind of, I, I didn't check my assumptions. I just continued forward with my assumptions and made excuses for them, basically. So here's the thing. Uh, it, it was very amusing to us, wondering when or if you would ever notice. Um, we might have had a bit of an informal bet going on as as to when you'd realize. Definitely by the time I started reading the the epigraph of the epilogue. Sure, but <laughs> I think I think my bet was you would start thinking about it when uh, Sazed mentions Vin in the third person. I'm like, there's he's got to notice that. Definitely by then he'll he'll think something good. I, I think I might have thought you would have gotten it early because you think noticed I a lot of things in the second book. Quick, I did bring it up. I think, or I at least made a mental note of the fact that Vin was being referred to in the third person. But I just I don't know. Like I said, I didn't check my assumptions. I just I kind think of you fit in it. the new. I try to squeeze the new information into my old assumption. I think you mentioned it, and we promptly ignored it, as we do. Uh-huh. See, my my bet was that you were going to get it right away, because I am, unfortunately, the hero of ages. Like, that is a speech pattern that is unique to Sazed. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it does throw in adverbs a lot in the middle of his sentences like that. Like, the, close, a- the closest other character to speaking like that is Elend, and he doesn't quite hit that same that same feel, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, 
I could say I could see Vin saying that because Vin has always been reluctant to see herself as a hero of ages, and also having godlike superpowers could change someone a little bit, you know. My excuse is going to be she trained with Zed. Maybe her the way she researches and studies and writes books is based on him. If if pressed, I might have went with something like that hmm. until, of course, you found out. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty amusing to us. And there's a few chapters where there's the epigraph immediately following that is say Zed saying something. And it stands out because you see the speech pattern. Like, here's the epigraph. Sounds like say Zed. And boom, here's say Zed talking like it's got to be. It. But it's it wasn't obvious for us when we did our first read. And it didn't you know, it didn't. Wasn't obvious for you because you just have the assumption. Oh, it's Vin. Vin always assumed she was the hero of ages. It's clear. Yeah, and and okay. I remember you talking about when does this happen? And at first you were like, does it happen in Well of Ascension? But there was information there that you're like, no, this is clearly not during the Well of Ascension when she held the power of that brief mm-hmm. time. What's funny is that this actually the first chapter of this week's set in chapter 78, uh, CZ is thinking to himself, this is without a doubt the oddest dungeon I have ever been in. So another adverbial phrase just thrown in the middle of a sentence like that. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to point out real quickly that Sazed, who has turned out to be the most important character in this trilogy, uh, was not introduced until chapter 8, the last chapter of the first part of the first book. So That's pretty cool. Like one of the last people, one of the, the last member of the main crew uh introduced yeah he just shows up like driving a carriage or something yep but i mean that fits in with everything right his humility that he needed in order to balance out preservation and ruin his oh that's it his humility <laughs> there there was a lot of things that say that encompass that was required for him to be able to hold the shard even by the end, in the epilogue, which we still have to cover, he writes a, a letter to Spook, and it mentions that if all the people that held the power of preservation, Vin was the most worthy. Like, he doesn't, still doesn't even see himself as more worthy than Vin in holding this power, even at the end of it all. But he had the knowledge, man, from the copper mines. Well, I mean, he didn't have to murder, or he didn't have to fight a murder god for it. True. But Vin had to murder herself to murder the murder god. Yep. Which might be why it made her uniquely the best for being holding preservation. She ultimately preserved the world. Yeah. Through her actions. All right. Um, I have, in an attempt to not overhype this to people, uh, tried to sell this this ending as the single best ending ever written by anyone for anything ever. Uh, how how would you rate it, Dave? How uh, how satisfied are you with this ending? Man, you're kind of putting me on the spot. I'm I'm quite satisfied. I just don't know what to compare or contrast it with. That's well, any books that I you read in in your past. What Harry Potter? It's better than the ending of Harry Potter. I'll I'll tell you that straight. I up. like. I like to compare it, and, and you're going to like this. I like to compare it to Tale of Two Cities. There's all okay. these different threads that are going everywhere, and they don't all come together until the very end. And it's such a satisfying ending 
because you don't know it's going to end that way until you get there. Yeah, that's a good point. In Tale of Two Cities, you've got like what the last five percent of the book, less than ten percent of the book. You're just like a lot of stuff still has to happen. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like there's no way that this can all be wrapped up and wrapped up well, and then it is. A Tale of Two Cities is the very first episode of Seinfeld. Today we learned. Um, it all comes you, together. In the- you didn't talk about the epilogue. We sort of jumped ahead. Uh, nope. Epilogue. We have Spook waking up from the Urto storage cavern, and we find that all five of the storage caverns plus the Condra homeland have all been moved by Seized into one location. So. All of the surviving people of the entire world, I suppose, are in this one meadow. And they're like, <laughs> I love the, all the reactions to They're like, the grass is green. That's so weird. And then there's a, not a red sun. What's up with that? And there's the, there are all these weird plants. That Yeah. And. In the center of all of it, there is a grave. Well, I don't even know if it's a grave or it's just the bodies of Vin and Ellen. Uh, Sezid super glued Ellen's head back on, or duct tape. I forget which. You decided duct tape it. while you were reading. Uh, duct tape, okay. Sezid <laughs> uh, duct taped Ellen's head back on. <laughs> uh, but actually, Sezid does mention that he was able to repair the body but not restore life to it. Um, so there's that, there's the epigraph compilation, and also a personal letter from Seiza to Spook, uh, explaining some things, and, uh, he fixed Spook's savantness, made him a mystery, and also, it says that it was Kelsier's desire to do so. So apparently, Kelsier and Ellen and Vin are all still existing somewhere in some sort of afterlife, and Sezed can communicate with them. So that's something to look forward to, maybe. But yeah, so they've got the epigraphs, and then there's a personal letter to Spook, and then also a picture of a flower. So, go on. Well, it's it's the picture. It's the flower picture from yeah, all these years. Yeah, the first book. Yep. Elsier had it and gave it to Vin. Um, so how neat is it, though? I, I like I like how Sazed was able to use the information from his copper mines, especially of the religions, in order to fix the world. I mean, I thought that was amazing. The information's all right there. The star charts, the 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 plants and and maybe some animals as well and all of that information is right there on and his the wrist colors. yeah the colors man of uh, the cataloging of how the world used to be before the ascension of the lord ruler i mean this is a way that preservation was able to hide this information about how the world should be from ruin right under somehow. his nose what mm, somehow why? I honestly, and this is part of Ruin being an idiot, but he could have spent more time altering copper mines. He could have. He could have undermined this but, entire operation okay. if he had edited Seized's copper mines. So, so doing this sort of thing, especially when he was in the well, when he's trapped in the well, it takes effort 
to change things. It's not like he could just, I'm going to change these words uh, on this you know, document or in this copper mine. It takes the ability, it takes energy to do so. So he has to be selective. When he was in the well, he had to be selective over what he changed. And of course, he focused on the prophecy because that was what he was going to use to escape from the well. Once he was out of the well, it just didn't matter because, as we mentioned earlier, the deal was done. Like, he won. He thought he won. Well, he he did a good job. He did a good job uh, getting Vin. Although, in a broader sense, Vin was really preservation's plan all along and not ruins. But he did a good job of getting Vin to the point where she would release him from the well. So he did good there. Double agent. Double agent. Blind double agent. Like, Vin was a double agent, and she didn't even know. Ancient. Ancient. So, real real quick, the whole subplot with Erto, I've kind of complained about it a little bit. And there's mention that, like, oh, yeah, the whole reason that Marsh was able to save the day is because he read the letter that Spook wrote. I'm ignoring that entirely. I think that's bunk. But I will say that it that Spook's place and the subplot in Erto were important in the fact that they kept a lot of people alive in the storage cavern during the cataclysm. So, so good, the, the important it, it turned out to matter in the end. That's good. Yeah. But also, Preservation's an idiot, because all Preservation had to do is change Seizet's copper mine so he wouldn't know how to... Well, yeah, but yeah. Preservation doesn't do You that. mean Ruin. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Ruin, all Ruin had to do was change Seizet's copper mine so that he wouldn't be able to engineer the uh, the water. Right, but why water devote game? that energy? It's not, it's not important whether our toe falls or doesn't. It really but did he, not That's matter. the problem, though. He did devote energy to Erto, but he didn't do the simplest thing to... Yeah, he devoted through. energy to mess with, with Spook and also with Quellian, but ultimately, it was just a delaying... It was just a, for putting a delaying tactic on Ellen people. So that way, they're separated and can't communicate. Like, that. that's really his goal. Just separate the party... And occupy their time for you know. Well, what what ruin needed at that point was the ATM. Yes. Like he wasn't trying to further his goal of destroying the world that was already happening. All he needed at that point was the ATM so he could do it faster. He also might have thought that the ATM was still in Erto at that point. I don't remember. Well, all he okay. His main focus be, beyond destroying the world in the third book, was spiking people and getting information. And spiking people to get information. All of this to get the ATM, so he could destroy the world faster. Total focus, world destruction. The reason he needed that was otherwise he was matched evenly with preservation. Now, he he essentially chokes out preservation, but preservation was slated to be replaced by Vin anyway, so he would have to either be up against preservation or preservation's uh, air, which happens to be Vin. So, he needs his body to be able to beat whoever that is. Right. They're they're evenly matched. So, I also think it was um, kind of interesting how Vin needed to strike at that moment. So, like, if they burn all the ATM, I guess it takes time for it to coalesce again for yes. everyone to pick it up. Similarly to how 
the Well of Ascension takes time to coalesce, which I guess the well fills up over time as people are using Allomancy. That would be my, my guess on that. Um, uh, also, Eddie, remember that Kelsier destroyed all the geodes in the Pits of Hassan, and that was stated to take something like 200 years for them to regrow. Okay. So that's important. Yeah. Which I assume was learned very early on in the Lord, after the Lord Ruler's ascension, uh, like he went there and tried to, you know, either by himself or like had some of his other Alamancers like attempt to pull up all the A team out of the ground because it's super useful. And then, oh, well, we screwed that up for a couple of centuries. <laughs> yeah. So like, doesn't the. Does the ATM coalesce back into the trust warren, or is it just that the Conjurer are taking no. ATM for their contracts so that they can have a uh, collection of the bulk of the ATM never left that area. Um, the obligators would crack open the geodes, take the bead out for like ninety percent of it, and then that just got shipped straight to the Condra homeland. Uh, the rest of it got dealt out to the um, to the noble houses uh, at exorbitant prices, which then either got burnt by Mistborn or spent on Condra contracts. Look at that. All funneling right to the Condra. Um, the Pits of Hassan is equivalent to the Well of Ascension. That's that's where the source is. It's not the Trussoir that is the source. That's just where they were stored. Right. That's where they collect. Gotcha. Um... Uh... Yeah. You, ha- you had it, oh, Orto. The importance of Orto, from the story perspective, th- there's a lot that happens. Uh, you picked up on the spiking thing early, but from the reader's perspective, that is where the reader is supposed to learn about spe- people I, being spiked. Yeah, I gotcha. Okay. And ultimately, Vin being spiked. You figured it out early, uh, but it might be because of that storyline. I don't remember exactly what triggered it for you. What exactly, uh, I think the exact point was when uh, Spook meets Kelsier, and then I was like, wait a second, some thug got stabbed through the heart directly into Spook. Which, and that, again, that's part of the importance of that. That at least, you know, confirms everything about the spiking for me. So from the story... I don't remember if... I connected the Vin Earring thing before that point, or if it was at that point that I was like, oh, this is similar to how Vin has some random piece of metal in her. You noticed something was weird about the earring, but you didn't realize it was a spike until after that point, I think. Yeah. From a literary perspective, the earring is obviously important from day one, it, like from the very beginning of Mistborn. Well, book like one did a very good job of hiding it. It was not very clear that this earring should be important, but I, I I thought it was pretty obvious that it was it was like a Chekhov's razor or whatever you call it. What some Chekhov's revolver? It was mentioned very little. Chekhov's gun. Uh, It was mentioned very little in the first book, and we were trying to pay attention to that uh, when we were talking spoilers because we knew it was a big deal. And it was mentioned very little in the first book. In the second book and onward, then it's pointed out a little more often. One thing that I wish had been a little more obvious on rereading is 
whether Vin is wearing her earring or not in a given scene. But if I he points it out too much, then we'll know it's, gets, this is a thing. When she storms Credit Shaw in the first book, and they, the Steel Inquisitors took all of her medals away, I think during that chapter recap, I was like, did they take the earring or not? I want to know. Like, even then in my first reading of Mistborn. But then later when she recovers her things, she puts the earring back on. It was gilded in silver. (laughs) Gilded in silver, indeed. And then I didn't notice that she lost the earring in the fight against Lord Ruler until later on when I had suspicions about how the earring might interfere with her abilities. I was like, wait, could the earring have something to do with the reason she can't draw on the mist? Because, and I think this was back when she was fighting Zane and she couldn't draw on the powers of the mist. I was, I went back to the fight scene with Lord Ruler and noticed that she had lost the earring in that fight. Um, it was also important to note that the earring was made of bronze. And of course, bronze is what lets you find right. out what metals are being burned, maybe even to pierce copper cloud. Well, and that's I, th- I remember you trying stated. to figure out what the earring was made out of, and I think you thought it was copper for a moment. I don't but think we- it's mentioned in the first book. I went back and read the first book and tried to find, every, like, just not researching hard, but just kind of skim through points where the earrings relevant. Was and that was bronze. I don't think that it is, but at some point in the second book, and I think I even have a bullet point in my recap of Will of Ascension, it's like, oh, it's made of bronze. Yeah. And it took me a while to realize that the earring had something to do with her ability to pierce copper clouds, but I didn't even connect the fact that that's because it was bronze till way, way, way later. So I I think I mentioned this to you before, but each book focuses on a different type of uh, investiture, which is the power system, a different type of investiture that's available on this world. The first book's Allomancy, the second book's Ferukami, and the third book is Hemalurgy. And you didn't even know about Hemalurgy until the third book. You see Inquisitors, but you don't, you aren't told anything about them until really the third book. Yeah. Actually, a little bit in the second, but mostly the third well, is what the first on. book we learned that it's a messy process. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Marsh was sort of reluctant to talk about it when he was still himself in the second book. Hey, let's Hello, was... let's real quick, let's talk about Vin's mom and sister. Dave, do okay. you feel like you understand what happened there? Because you had a lot of spaghetti on the wall on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you mean Vin's mom isn't a chondra? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Vin's mom is crazy, and crazy people are more easily influenced by ruin. So, I he somehow spikes Vin's mom. I don't know if that's really important on how no, that happened. He, he but... did not spike Vin's mom. No, just, just her being crazy was enough for him to get his message through. Oh wow, she must have been really. She must have been even worse than Zane because even Zane needed a spike in his chest. Yeah, she was pretty crazy. So I'm I'm actually fairly certain Zane's crazy was because of the spike, not. Well, Zane spiked himself. Did he? Did he? Remember? I don't remember the origin of Zane's spike ever coming up. I could have sworn I no, I'll know it'd be a word of Brandon, I think, but I, I think I remember hearing that Zane decided to spike himself. Maybe he was a so bit he crazy, and then he became more crazy. Yeah. 
But anyway, so Mama Vin stabs little Vin in the heart, and then regular Vin has that pin or whatever she used to stab little Vin stuck in her ear, and that's her earring. Uh, so I should point out that one of the earlier times that Craig and Tori and I all sounded like serial killers was when we were discussing the logistics of putting an earring through a baby. Yeah. But, I mean, she could have bent it. Through a baby's heart, no less. Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess it could have been just, like, a pin, and then she just kind of fashioned it into an earring. And so, uh, stuck it on Vin before Ruin ran off with her. Another of our amusement in the spoiler section is you having this theory that it was somehow spiked through the Lord Ruler. I think that's a great theory. It It's a neat theory. I think but... that would be a great side story or fanfic or something. I, uh... But the logistics of it are difficult. No, not at all, because Lord Ruler has been as quote assassinated multiple times it's very likely that someone could have stabbed him through the heart and he had enough gold mines stored up to survive it and then we still have we still have a piece of metal that was driven through lord ruler's heart imagine All right. let's let's dig into this um first off according to word of brandon many of those stories are um exaggerated so like he probably wasn't burnt down to a skeleton. He probably wasn't beheaded. It was Freddy Krueger. <laughs> uh, or Groundskeeper Willie. But in order to sort of increase fear of him, like, yeah, no, totally. A couple centuries ago, they, they burned the inn down around me, and I was just a skeleton man, just, ah, skeleton. That's fine, <laughs> but nothing says it couldn't happen. So, even if this is possible, I would have to say, the way hemallergy works, it is stealing the power from someone that's being spiked, or that has a spike driven through them into someone else. You're leeching that ability away from that person. So, even okay, if sure. something happened, uh, Lord Ruler would have lost some some power. Whatever spike was driven through him, he would have lost it. If he can somehow survive it, which I'm not convinced he could have survived that. Yeah, every, everything I know about hemallergy says that once once you've stabbed someone through the heart to steal their power, they they don't get to come back from that. Keep in okay, mind... So he would be slightly less power. Keep in mind, even if they have no power, people were... The way we got Kolos was just regular people being killed and spiked. It was just humans. You're stealing their humanity. And also, we still have the fourth book of the second era, the entire third era, and the entire fourth era to learn more about hemallergy, potentially. So, Yeah, so that's what I was going to ask as well. Um, I was going to save it for the wrap-up, but just real quick, I guess before I sign off here, Allomancy obviously still exists. So, does Farukami still exist? Uh, Seized was apparently the last Farukamist. It's not really confirmed, but he was apparently. Um, but that there's nothing stopping him from giving people the power of Farukami, right? Because he gave 
uh, so, Spook Mistborn ability. So does Farukami still exist? And I have Hemlord an answer. That might not be direct, although Mike can decide to answer it directly. I can, I can I will cover point this. Out. What's that? I got this. No, no, wait, I, I got something. All right, do your thing. <laughs> okay. Back when uh, the Lord Ruler became the Lord Ruler, all his buddies were turned into the 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 Chandra. the first generation, and all the other Furukamis were turned into the Mistwraith. Correct. Well, okay. And the Mistwraiths didn't die. They they didn't. Die. No, they were regardless. still in the Trust War and during the Cataclysm. And okay. Oh, sure. but no, the first. So, but the only the first generation. Sorry. Okay. First generation work is yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. The other Farukamis were turned into the Mistwraiths. Yeah, the other Farukamis at the time were turned into Mistwraiths, but Farukamis still exists because he was trying to breed it out, right? Right. Okay, that's that's it. That's all I got. Okay, but we do still have two recaps to talk about this sort of stuff. There. Well, I don't know if that answered your question, but think about it. <laughs> you already answered though when you said we'll learn more about hemolurgy in the fourth generation novel. Well, hemolurgy doesn't necessarily. Well, okay, sure. Mike oh, said that they could know learn about it without it actually existing anymore. Were you gonna go for that sort of answer, Mike, or did you have a different answer? Uh, I was going to tell him that uh, Alamancy and Farukami have a slight but fundamental change. Starting in Era 2, thanks to Sazed, uh, which is that there are no more Mistborn, there are no more full-blown Farukamis. Um, any one person can only have one power from each Except at maximum. So Mistings and Farukamisting. Uh, they're called Fairings. <laughs> yes, they are. Which is a thing you find out in like the first chapter of Alloy of Law, so it's not... I, I don't consider that spoilery enough to matter, to matter for plot reasons. Right. I'm down with that. Which is now the only thing that we are keeping from you. So there is right. one more thing I wanted to discuss. My head cannon where, where uh, Vin goes to the world of Elantris and pushes <laughs> right Dude, in that would have been pool. so good. <laughs> <laughs> Rayo didn't we'll fall talk, in I'll because Vin testing out her power. We need to save some material, guys. <laughs> it's just out of I know, there's just so much we want to talk about, but I did want to mention one thing because you you brought it up in uh, one of the epigraphs. You talk about how the, he's talking about the body is the power, is the voodoo, uh, and I, I mean, yeah, whatever. I'll just talk about it now. I think I read a theory on the Cosmere subreddit, unless I'm coming up with it now, but I believe I read it. Where, you know how in our universe we have the equation E equals MC square for energy and mass are essentially the same thing? Matter. Matter and energy. Dave? In in this book, yeah. Well, in the real world, E equals MC square. Do you understand? No, that's... M is mass, C is... Well, speed, M is matter. So... Okay, is speed M is light, mass, which is, is matter. energy. Is matter cause it's My not... point is... Relativity and that equation exists in our world. In the Cosmere, it's similar, but in Vestiture, which is the magic systems that we've seen in the book so far, 
is also part of that equation. So it's like E equals MC squared plus I. Or maybe E plus I equals MC squared, something like that. Uh, I don't... Do your dimensional analysis, Craig. What? <laughs> Come on, it's math. You like math. I'm I'm with Dave on this one. You you floated this past me in the on on the Discord in spoiler discussion. And I had no idea what you were talking about. So if you're saying E equals MC squared plus I, you're giving I a un, the unit of joules, right? Uh, <laughs> because if you're adding joules to if you're adding something to joules to get joules in the end, then I must also be of joules. Well, okay, so, so I said it's like okay. that. I'm not exactly sure. But saying E equals MC squared isn't saying that energy and matter are the same thing. No, they're related, and you can convert. Okay, they're related. They're, you can convert energy. from one to the other. Okay. I'm, I'm nope, matter nope, energy. Dave and Craig, okay. both of you. <laughs> Stop. We're... I don't want to listen to this argument. I don't want anyone else to have to either. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Hold on. This is called Cosmere Deep Dive. Podcast. Not physics deep dive. Yeah, Calm down. Yes, pool, this is part of the theory crafting that we do. The point I, of a podcast is for people to listen to it. And if they're all tuning out like I was doing just now, then that's not good. I need someone who can talk physics, because there's some stuff. Well, yes, we all need someone who can talk physics. Fine. It's not you, Craig. Okay, I'm not a physicist, but I have ideas. We can talk after the recording. It's fine. That sort of defeats the purpose of this. Do you want right, to talk I'm, I'm about it, or do you want to have a podcast? Well, whatever, just you go. You can talk just about go. it after just the go. podcast. Just go. This is whatever. You don't want to theory craft. Don't worry about it, Craig. It's fine. It's not a matter of not wanting to theory craft. I don't understand your theory, and I don't get the sense that you do either. Well, I would explain it properly with... Explain it to me, and we can talk about it during wrap-up. We'll have a more concise discussion on it so it doesn't get out of hand like it's obviously doing. Whatever. I like that plan. That's a good plan. All right. Does anyone have any final thoughts and or final questions from Dave? I don't have any questions from Dave. <laughs> Craig, do you, do you have any of Dave's final thoughts? Who? Me? <laughs> I don't have any of his final thoughts. I don't have any thoughts. <laughs> and Tori? Oh, I've got some of my own thoughts. Oh, sorry. We're just looking. Now, go ahead. Ha ha ha. No, by which I mean I don't have any of Dave's or Craig's thoughts. Okay. But Do you have any thoughts regarding... <laughs> <laughs> nope, nothing to add here. Okay. Dude, wasn't it cool how Sazed used the religions? That's yes. my favorite part. I, it, I really like that part, though. It was exceedingly cool. It's it's a really satisfying ending. It's not necessarily a good ending, because, you know, a bunch of people that I that I enjoyed reading about died. But it's the right ending. It was sort of sad at first to hear about the end of Ellen and Vin. And I know, Dave... You were upset about Ellen dying. And Spook really never got it. his title. <laughs> he got he became a misborn, but he never he got his title. Now. He, he got a girlfriend. That's all he really wanted the title for. The title was to get the girlfriend. He got the girlfriend. Alright. I'm I'm gonna end it here. Goodbye, Internet.
Goodbye. Bye, Internet. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thank you.